Kylie Dutson, a neurodiverse 30-something who is obsessed with organisational psychology and welcome to Lightbulb Moments, the podcast about all things psychology. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode. Today I'm chatting with Samantha about all things menstrual wellness. Samantha, tell us about yourself. Well, I'm Samantha Garston and I am driven to dismantle menstrual stigma in the workplace to elevate company culture and also make businesses a place where their staff would hate to leave and others can't wait to join. In this episode, I was just like, what? I was like, how am I 39 years old and I'd never really heard to the menstrual cycle being referred to in terms of anything other than a period? How do you get into an organisation that, that maybe has more men than women and have this conversation? It took me 18 months to recover. I lost my hair. Well, my hair came out in clumps. It went really thin. and start with um, our origin story because I think that the number of people that, um, that come onto the podcast I know them all in very different ways mm-hmm. and so I try to uh, start with a bit of an origin story about how I know people um, we know people in a very unique way <laughs> so how do you what's, what how do you think we know each other what do you think our origin story is um, definitely LinkedIn <laughs> I can't remember the first, the post where it all sort of began and blossomed, but there was definitely a LinkedIn connection there. <laughs> yeah, and that's very much kind of um, what what my memory of it is. So every now and again, I would see your posts pop up. I would see a lot of people in my networks like your posts. Um, I liked what you were talking about. And I was like, ooh, this is someone that I think that we need on the podcast. Um, and so I randomly reached out and was like, hey, do you want to come and have a chat with me? And you very, very openly said, yeah, of course, I'd love to. So, and that's how we're here today. (laughs) Yeah, exactly that. And I get to talk about my favourite thing, which I could do for hours and hours and hours. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like a lot of the other conversations we've had with other guests, it's been the same. I've been like, oh, but I need to ask this. And oh, I want to know the answer to this question. Um, So I will warn you, I ask lots of questions um, just because I'm super inquisitive about things. So tell us, what's your... What's your chosen topic today? Where I've pivoted to at the moment in my uh, with my work is really in um, workplaces and dismantling the menstrual stigma that happens within workplaces and how we can um, introduce better menstrual wellness um, measures and policies into the workplace to elevate company culture. So, <laughs> yeah, in a nutshell. <laughs> that sounds big. Yeah, sounds like it's a big thing. <laughs> there is, and and it's interesting because now there's been never a better time to talk about it than now because uh, the BSI, the British Standards Institute, have released um, standards for menstruation and menopause in the workplace, and the menopause policy has been about for about three years now. Um, but they have been moved to bring menstruation into that. So now it's, it's a dual standard to implement policies for both in the workplace. Okay. So how did you, you said that you pivoted. How did you get into this space? 
Um, should I start right at the beginning, the beginning? <laughs> I mean, it, it is the beginning <laughs> I was born and I'm a woman. <laughs> I'll 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 make it snappy but okay. for context um and I think it's it's part of my origin story like why I ended up doing what I did and why uh, I did it quite so passionately so bear with <laughs> um I for a long time I was on hormonal birth control so most of my adult life, I had the pill and then I switched. I had three rounds of the coil. And when I was about 39, I, um, I, just, I just knew that I wanted to have my natural cycle back. Up until that point, I'd never had really a, a natural cycle. I'd either run pill packets together or I, you know, I'd, I never experienced a period while I had my coil. Um, and so the whole cycle was completely at a loss on me and I just didn't have that connection to it at all um I'd also worked in um <laughs> I've had several working lives in my past past life I worked as a chef which is very male dominated um I would say at times akin to building like being on a building site uh, with the things I had to turn a blind eye to and um and after that I went into sales and marketing which again was quite um male dominated so that combined with not really having a connection to my uh, to, to my cycle, to that feminine wisdom within, left me in a very kind of masculine-driven mindset. Um, and I, I burnt out at, at one point pretty hard. It took me 18 months to recover. I lost my hair. Well, my hair came out in clumps. It went really thin. Anyway... I decided in my wisdom, I had, I had a passion and a love for yoga. I had done for about um, five or six years at that point. And I decided, right, that's it. I know there's a better way to connect with my body. I quit my job um, and I went and did my yoga teacher training in um, Portugal. Wow. Um, I flew there in the midst of the pandemic. So it was like a big, it was a big move for me. It was like a, one of those three week intensive trainings. And no coincidence that I just um at that point just come off my I just had my coil removed and I was just getting back in touch with my natural cycle and in my yoga teacher training we covered the Ayurvedic uh, cycle so Ayurveda is the sister science to yoga and um one of those cycles that we looked at was the menstrual cycle and while everyone was like busy taking notes I was just like da, da, da what I was like how am I 39 years old and I'd never really heard to the the menstrual cycle being referred to in terms of anything other than a period yeah I was like I, I class myself as a relatively switched on intelligent being like I don't know how this that had eluded me and suddenly everything made sense came back from yoga teacher training obsessed hungry from so much more knowledge, um, scoured the globe. I, I did a few courses. I did one with the Red School and they are, they play quite a large part as like the founding grandmothers of this work. Um, and then I found a facilitator training um, for uh, being a cycle coach uh, with Claire Baker, who was mentored by the Red School. And, um, and then, yeah, I went on to take my training as a cycle coach. Um, so my yoga at, at the beginning uh, of this journey for me, um, 
the first incarnation of this looked like a cyclical uh, yoga studio, which okay. I still have now because it was my first passion and my first love and something I think it's really important for. Um, there's no better other. There's no better way to embody that that inner nature I think than through move like free movement like that through yoga. So that's still in existence, but I sort of. Uh, took it through a few incarnations and I worked with um, business owners in their business to help them work with their cycle to optimize their productivity um, work in more flow find more ease in their business it's a whole big story but just to give you the cliff notes version and um, there's always been this little inner this deeper inner calling for me to have more impact than that Mm -hmm. and with the um, BSI standards being newly released it all just kind of conspired at the same moment much like it did at the beginning with me coming off of hormonal birth control and going on the yoga teacher training and finding my natural cycle another sort of shift for me my intuition is a big, big part <laughs> of, of my decision making process and um, again this little spark of intuition to shift to pivot to have bigger impact because I want women to have this education for free more than anything. And by, you know, coming in uh, with partnering with employers to give their staff that, um, you know, I'm achieving that. And there's a whole other host of benefits for companies. (laughs) But, uh, but yes, so that, that's the nutshell version. I think I managed to do it succinctly. (laughs) (laughs) I appreciate that. (laughs) Um, You touched on, so you touched on lots of things then. The one thing that I just, that I wanted to ask more questions about was, you said, you I work with business owners to help them understand their cycle and links with productivity. Mm. Can you tell me more about that? Because that's really interesting. Because in I'd my world to. of leadership <laughs> yeah. development and return on investment in organizations, we're constantly mm. talking about how productivity impacts um, your, your profit, essentially, and, and all of these things. So tell me what you mean by what you just said. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I've spent the three years essentially working with business owners and and which has now given me the foundations to pivot and work with these companies because I've seen what happens in in real time with my clients that I've worked with. Now our menstrual cycle has four phases <laughs> unbelievably <laughs> not just that one not just the period the one that we all talk about or maybe we talk about the premenstrual phase because everyone knows that <laughs> because we Samantha, get i just have to disclose i have been on the pill since i was 14 years old ah okay so <laughs> not only are you talking alien to me you're talking real alien to me because like you i would back to back i mm. would you know, I just, so i have no idea so teach me I'm, I, okay. I'm all ears. Teach me like I'm a okay. toddler. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, most time, most of the time we know, well, everyone who has experienced one knows what a period is. Sometimes uh, if you struggle during the premenstrual phase, that might become apparent. And then for people that have tracked fertility, the ovulatory phase is, again, a very <laughs> standout phase of the cycle. But there's actually four. We've also got the pre-ovulatory phase. So these phases, um, the, the hormones that we experience in these phases, sorry, um, fluctuate all throughout the month. So let's just start at the beginning. 
day one of your cycle is day one you bleed. So it's the first day of your period, not the spotting before, but the actual bleeding there. That's day one of your period. So right away here, your energy, this is the lowest it will ever be throughout the month. Okay. So you're, you're two um, main players in terms of reproduction, reproductive hormones. Sorry, I will just disclose, it's cycle day 61 for me, because entering the realms of perimenopause, which is a time for a different conversation. (laughs) But if my words are like flip, 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 that's why. (laughs) Right, okay. (laughs) So yeah, I just like to make that clear as well. 61. And I think it's also an invitation for people to do self-inquiries. So like those times when they're like, their words are coming out a little bit backwards as to like, hmm, maybe that's cycle related, which it always is. But um, so to get back. Have you just given me an excuse for why sometimes when I record podcast episodes, I am completely incoherent? Is this what you've just, I mean, I'm seeing both of the male producers looking and shaking their heads at me in in, uh, disapproval, but this is what it feels like. You've just, you've just justified why sometimes I'm a little bit rubbish. Yeah. And I bet if you track your cycle, there will be times where it's like, oh, that is a no go podcast time. Oh, interesting. OK. Yeah. OK. A hundred percent. So <laughs> it's so interesting. Oh, I've got so much to say, but I'll backtrack <laughs> to like where I started before I go on a tangent, as I tend to do. Yeah. So during the week of your period, you'll have the least energy that you'll have all cycle. The main players here, estrogen um, and progesterone. There are others, but these are the key players. They're at rock bottom. From about day three of uh, your period, um, estrogen starts to rise and it rises slowly. It's not like out of the moon cave, I call it, back into the fire. It's a gradual rise in energy that rises all the way up to a peak. So it travels from the the phase of menstruation through the pre-ovulatory phase, and it peaks right in the middle of ovulation. So that peak of estrogen is um, responsible for ovulation. And all of that, uh, that first half of the cycle energy is rising. So when it comes to our productivity, we slowly ramp up the intensity of what we're doing or in terms of movement, exercise, we slowly ramp up the intensity. This phase is what I call the yang phase. It's the it's the doing phase where we feel more um, connected, more switched on, more sociable. And then at uh, ovulation, Um, the hormones then shift estrogen ebbs because of the process of ovulation we produce progesterone and progesterone then rises and in the second half of the cycle ovulation all the way back down to uh, menstruation again Um, so progesterone peaks around the beginning and then wanes all the way off now this has a different vibe this is more um, what I call the yin and being phase we're a little bit more introspective here we have a little less outward energy it's good for different physical exercises so like cardio and hit is not for this time okay. <laughs> and when we're talking about our productivity as business owners like it typically it's not the best time for um doing things like 
podcasting. Um, it's not always the same for everyone. And I'd just like to caveat what I said also. There is a broad spectrum of what is normal. Everyone has such a unique cycle and different things from our personality traits, you know, to um, our star signs can, for example, can affect like how we experience just to give context. I have a client, she's a Leo. She loves the first half of the cycle. It's her powerhouse. She's out there. She's self-celebration life. This is me. I can do all the things. She really doesn't feel so comfortable in the, the phase of progesterone, that yin phase, because it it's more of a time of like, self-inquiry being a little bit more introspective and she struggles to sit with the stillness and the silence Mm -hmm. however myself I am um, a little bit more I guess kind of ambivert scale like I'm happy being in the limelight need to decompress afterwards for at least a, a good hour so I I feel really at home in the second half of the cycle and the first half sometimes challenges me so it's about knowing yourself and also knowing and understanding your cycle. And we understand our cycle by cycle tracking and I have a lot to say on that. The, the best method I would say for cycle tracking is the one that you'll stick to. There are great apps and everything to do that for you, but nothing is, in my opinion, quite as um, enlightening as like a, a pen and paper cycle charting, which is what, what I um, teach and it, cause it has this very kinesthetic connection to what we're um, tracking and the things that we are noticing about our cycles, not to mention when we use apps, it's another thing to kind of take our agency away and tell us when we're going to feel what we're going to feel yeah. rather than us knowing instinctively what when we're going to feel what we're going to feel we just rely on an app so when we start the process of cycle tracking we start to notice these things we notice like okay i feel this rise of energy here it makes me feel xyz like i feel that first rise of energy in my cycle about day six or seven for example the um a little bit intense And dependent on the self-care I've managed to put in during the week of menstruation, whether I've been able to take a step back and really decompress and rest then, um, the better I handle that. If I had quite a busy uh, time of menstruation and I haven't been able to take a step back as much as I would have liked, it sometimes feels a bit overwhelming, might land in a bit of what I call a wobble day. So I don't know, I'll be watching a video about an animal rescue thing and suddenly I'll be in tears and I'm like, oh, that's unusual. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then equally, then you start to notice like, okay, so I find for in my case say for example day six or seven, that's quite triggering. What self-care, what tools do I need to put in place to account for that and also when it comes to working in your business like what um what tasks will work better here so then you start to be your own detective you start to build up a picture of what works when well what works well and when and yes I can put in a framework and say like typically these things tend to plot out like this but the the real um revelations come when you kind of do your own work to be a detective. Yeah. So so let me ask you this question then, because you're yeah. talking about 
you do this in corporates and you do this with other individuals and you're talking about menstruation and bleeding and estrogen and cycles and and all of these things, uh, which are still taboo. How do you get into an organisation that that maybe has more men than women and have this conversation and keep everyone engaged? Because I'm super engaged because I'm like, oh, tell me about this because I have the lived experience, but 50% of our population don't. How do you deal with that? Uh, but 50% of the population know somebody that has a period. Okay. <laughs> and that's the difference. Like, no, um, you often like I don't speak to people that experience periods but that doesn't mean that for example someone uh, a, a male-bodied person leading a team definitely needs to know if his team is major- the majority of them uh, uh, women or people with periods because um, those who don't identify with as women still do experience periods. They need to know their team. They need to know, like, okay, like I understand why, whatever, Jane feels rubbish this week and why she might be struggling, actually. And rather than just giving her a hard time or pushing or laying more work on her, I'm just going to give her the tasks that are maybe, like, right for where where she where for how she feels right now and it's up to individual you know sort of leaders and line managers to really inform themselves of this to to understand the team they work that works with them because ultimately like any any manager worth their salt knows that their team is key in them being able to achieve targets and goals that they that they need to um and also, men do experience a cycle, but it's different from ours. We um, we experience an ephradian rhythm. So we, I say 28-day cycle. That is not the golden standard. Anywhere between 21 to 35 days is considered normal. Anything consistently less, consistently more. Um, it, it's maybe time to like ask questions as to why that is. Anywhere normally from 21 to 35 days is, is, is considered a normal range for a cycle. So um, we have this Ephradian rhythm. Uh, men cycle in a 24-hour period, so it's much more akin to the circadian rhythm, our sleep-wake cycle. So they get um, a boost of testosterone in the morning and um, it's sort of peak, it's at its peak first thing and then sort of wanes off. And then it is much lower in the afternoon or uh, and evening. So, aka in the morning, not the best time to ask for favors. In the evening, much better time to ask for favors. <laughs> um, but also, which is interesting. So, if they're doing a twenty-four hour cycle, and we're doing say just just say for twenty-eight days, they're essentially doing twenty-eight revolutions to our one. So what it feels like is the world that we live in has this very linear stream of energy. But it's not that. It's just that they're sort of replenishing every day rather than we have like one slow up and one slow down. So there's always a disconnect. And because the world we live in has mostly been established by male-bodied people, it often means that the structures and systems that we work in as women and people with periods don't really fit 
our rhythm. We're just like a round peg in a square hole. We fit, but kind of not to our fullest potential. So regardless if you have a period or not, you will know someone that does, whether that is your uh, a partner, a child, a friend, a colleague, um, a, an employee. Everybody needs this knowledge. You know, I have... Um, you know, some of my clients with children, they, they can't wait to go and tell their sons because they want their sons to grow up as being, you know, more compassionate to their to their partners, to the girls at school, to not to not have what we had when boys went, <laughs> you know, And that so like, starts really early on, right? So again, I have a nine-year-old and they've just recently done um, at work around periods and menstruation and growing up and changing bodies. And they, you know, they talked about tampons and about pads and things like that. And even at that age, they were a bit like, oh, and it gave them the ick about it. I guess Mm -hmm. if we've got how, how have you, when you go into organizations, how do you help with people not having the ick when we come to talking about these things? Is it just kind of, you just, is it exposure therapy? Is it like if somebody's... If somebody is in a um, a body that doesn't have periods and wants to start start supporting their team um, that do have periods, what's that first thing that that you tell them to go and do? It's firstly just about changing the conversation. That's where I come at it from all the time. It's just changing the conversation to make it more to make people more able to to feel more comfortable to actually go and say, actually, I'm really struggling today. I've got period pains from hell. My uterus is playing with tiny scissors inside of me and it's difficult. (laughs) (laughs) What I, and I realize, I recognize not everyone is going to want to go to their male bodied line manager and say, I've got my period, but a really uh, nice halfway well, first of all, I would definitely recommend that, you know, everyone is informed about the needs of their team. And this isn't just, you know, good leadership needs that. And not just for menstrual health, mental health, um, for um, neurodiversity needs. Like it's not just, we need to know about our people. Um, And it just starts with changing the conversation. I talk a lot about like changing the language, you know, um, calling it what it is, menstruation. Like even now there are, you know, even period is a euphemism. Just being able to say the word, you know, without saying like, oh, I'm on, I'm on, you know, on those, those are all very toxic um, things like whatever, on the bob, on the blob, shark week, carry week, got the painters in, all those <laughs> kinds of things that like have been humorous, but I mean, okay, it's done now that just like feeds into a taboo. Um, actually being able to say, like to talk about it. I, I read a statistic the other day, like, 32% of men think it's inappropriate to talk about periods at work, but yet the flip side of that is it shows uh, to have um, one in at least three executive team members uh, be female is 
but massively improves the productivity of a company overall. Mm-hmm. So that makes sense. <laughs> if we're so making an inhospitable environment for women to be in, but yet companies succeed better if they have a higher level of females in their if, executive C-suites. If we're talking, um, so if we're talking research and statistics, uh, I I'm not going to pretend it was highbrow. I'm sure it was on TikTok or somewhere random. Um, that they did a study about the pain that comes from periods, and it was the equivalent to a heart attack. Do you know what I'm talking about? Can you fact check me, please? So it was said by one uh, doctor. I can't remember his name. Something beginning with G. It was said by. Uh, one doctor i think the media probably like taken that and playing with it it was after it was uh, in a study and there was uh, a patient in that study who had said it does feel akin to like a heart attack so, so it there's has no substance to what i'm saying is that what you're telling me samantha i was it's, <laughs> it's well i don't think you can it's a, it's relative isn't it because pain for one person might be, uh, you know, ibuprofen. Pain for another person, a client I had, uh, was A&E once a month. Wow. So, yeah, it can be, it can be as painful as a heart attack. You know, I've had women tell me pain, uh, their period pains have been more painful than their childbirth. So it's, it's a relative point. I don't know how there's, I don't think there's really a metric to kind of measure that accurately it was said by a patient in that study that the um it was akin to the, uh, the pain of a heart attack that they'd had okay it's like yeah. someone someone somewhere said this one thing and now we're going to grab hold of it and, and claim it's it's the truth yeah. for everyone um yes. on the so a uh, question for you on um our, our cycles and um can you still experience some of the things that you're talking about if you are on the pill. And the reason I ask this is because yesterday <laughs> I I don't really have a sweet tooth. And mm. yesterday I absolutely wanted to demolish a jar of Cadbury's crunchy chocolate spread. And that is so unlike me. And I just, it felt like my body needed it. So can you still experience these things? Or is was that just a random, nothing to do with it? Help me understand. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm looking for you to justify me being able to binge chocolate, essentially, okay, is the place okay. we're going to get to. Well, it, it's a little bit different when we're, we're our hormones on the pill. So a natural cycle, we have what I call the natural dance of our hormones. If any, I could... There's no chart here for anyone listening, but I wish there could be. If you could imagine a sort of a, a curve upward, a wave upward of estrogen to halfway and then it drops off and then another wave upward in the second half uh, as progesterone. So we get that monthly dance of our hormones <coughs> on the pill. They are um, they are artificial hormones. We don't have that kind of natural fluctuation. They kind of like, if you just imagine two flat lines, Um, now that is not to say that those who are on the pill do not experience, um, a cycle or the, or the feelings of that, that might be, it might, um, uh, present slightly differently to a natural cycle, but 
you're still you still have uh, synthetic estrogen and synthetic progesterone so it can lend itself to those times but if I've spoken to lots of people who uh, are on the pill about their experiences of their menstrual cycle and everyone experiences it slightly different. It- I feel like the answer is no, but if we could just do a very small sound bite that I can play for my husband where you actually say, yes, absolutely, this is... <laughs> then, I don't uh- <laughs> think we ever need permission to give ourselves a treat. <laughs> um yeah I think that it's um it's yeah it's uh I'm gonna hold on to it it was it was definitely it was definitely worthwhile Um. (laughs) I would definitely so the pill definitely serves a place um I advocate for natural cycles but that's not for everyone and that's okay the pill has a place in the world that we live in it's a very effective form of contraceptive I would say I am um I err on the side of informed consent when it comes to the pill. Um, The reason I went on the pill at the grand age of 15 was because I had really bad acne. Um, Of course, the pill was the thing to put me on. Like, of course, there was no no other solution that I could you could give a 15 year old. Um, But um, but I wish that I had been more informed so I could have given informed consent so there's several good books uh your brain on birth control I think is one I think it's Sarah E Hill but on my day 61 brain I (laughs) you might need to like just google it um but yes just to know like what you're getting yourself into with the pill it it does have many effects It, it changes our brain chemistry slightly there are you know there are things to be considered if you are on the pill versus like wanting to have a, na- a natural cycle. And there is a process of coming off of the pill and, you know, understanding your natural cycle again. And there are contraceptive methods like the fertility awareness method that you can use. Please, please, please. Oh, nobody ever, ever, ever just go and use an app to, for contraceptive purposes because it will it won't work okay okay i feel like (laughs) there's unless you're informed in the fertility awareness method and you have very um specific um guidance in how to track your cycle and understand very specific biomarkers you're just using random apps and plotting in things it is not accurate enough sure it might work you know be effective some of the time but (laughs) when you're it's contraceptive it needs to be effective all the time so yeah i would just also say that Thank you so much for your time today. It was super interesting. Um, I I feel like you've dispelled a lot of myths, which I thought were the case as well, as somebody who has periods. Um, mm-hmm. So I really appreciate it. As we wrap up, what is the, what would you say is the one thing that if somebody wants to take action towards um, uh, making people more aware of their menstruation needs, what's that one thing that we can be doing um, to, to kind of get that conversation going? Um. I think it first has to start with learning about ourselves right before we like help others to understand our own cycles. Um, The first port of call is um, cycle tracking. I have a free cycle chart for any uh, and charting method for anyone that um, wants to start doing that. I've said there's a very broad spectrum of what is normal when it comes to cycles and don't feel like because, you know, whatever Jane has this going on that you should be or should there's no shoulds yeah (laughs) just learning and understanding your own cycle and the 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 really big thing is that the the, what a large part of the disconnect comes and the shame that we feel about 
um, having periods is that that second half of the cycle when progesterone comes in and energy starts to wane we often feel like we're not hitting that bar of expectation anymore. Like, oh, that one good week, that week when I could be a superwoman, we're not hitting that anymore. Um, But as I said, there's this linear stream of energy, this bar of expectation we didn't set for ourselves. And it's learning to, to truly be in acceptance with that and and to not feel less than. It feels like be kind to yourself is is a huge part of this. So yeah. And just know that you're never less than because you live in a body that that bleeds. It has these fluctuating hormones and it's finding ways to be compassionate and and kind to yourself and understand that and and be in acceptance and allowing of that to understand yourself in all the different facets of your being and yeah, see the magic of each one. Excellent. Thank you so much for that. I massively appreciate you coming on the podcast to, to talk to us and have a chat with me about this. So thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Wow, so that was a really interesting conversation with Samantha today. I think my light bulb moment was firstly about understanding self, um, because honestly, I'm not even sure I understand my own cycle. Uh, So that's something that I'm going to work on. But for now, toodles. Toodles.